You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Y'all doing all right? Man, missed y'all last week. We appreciate Big Tone uh, filling in. Can we just give Tony a hand for preaching last week? Appreciate that. Excited to be back with you guys this morning. So uh, if you're a guest or a visitor, my name is Brandon Hayes. I'm the Next Gen Pastor at Southcrest. And uh, something you should know, my, my wife and I both grew up in Florida. And so we are, actually grew up in Jacksonville, and now we are diehard Lubbockites. But when it comes to football, professional football, we are diehard Jacksonville Jaguar fans, okay? And so if anybody wants to join the Tebow bus, y'all are welcome to come on, okay? Believe- Urban Meyer, <laughs> okay, also exciting. <laughs> Everybody's got a Tebow jersey, but uh, you have a Urban Meyer jersey. That's exciting, I like that. I like that, Kate, that's good. Um, man, that's gonna come important in a second. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter one. We're continuing our series, the book, where we're going through all the books of the Bible. And so this morning we get to be in the book of Romans. Cole was messing, Cole Rhodes, our college pastor, was messing with me. He was like, you just wanted to come back and preach this Sunday, even though you're like not 100% because you just wanted to preach in Romans. And maybe he's right. I don't know. Oh, man, so excited to be in the book of Romans with y'all. We're going to be in chapter one in just a minute. I mentioned uh, us being Jaguar fans. Um, Lauren, my wife, is, she really is a diehard Jaguar fan. Like, I'm a Jaguar fan, but she literally every year since I've known her, which is now like, I guess, 14 years, uh, she, every year, she's like, this is our year. We're gonna win the Super Bowl. <laughs> which when you normally go like one in 15, it's just like, it's hard to get behind that kind of thought, but she believes that way. And even out here, as far as we are from Jacksonville, she uh, pretty consistently represents. So she has lots of Jaguar gear, um, some of it because I always buy it and then buy the wrong size and it ends up being hers, which is maybe tricky on her part. Um, but she has a Jaguar's hat she loves to wear. And I remember this a few years ago, she was uh, getting groceries at United. And as she was checking out, the guy who was back in the groceries said, ma'am, uh, do you do you know what your hat says? And she was like, uh, yes, it's a Jacksonville Jaguars hat. And he literally told her, oh, I just wasn't sure if you knew because they're really bad at football. <laughs> 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 Which if you know Lauren, she kind of like in a fun way piped back like, uh, they are amazing, I love them. And I'm always like, well, Lauren, they're not amazing. You can love them, but they're not amazing. Like they're, they're pretty bad actually. But she, she's just not ashamed. She, she wears her Jaguar gear all the time because she is a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. And this year now we have Trevor Lawrence. I'm like, I'm not, we're not gonna win the Super Bowl, but I'm like, maybe we'll go seven and like eight. I don't know, who knows? Um, she's always unashamed no matter where she's at. I, I think that's a, a contrast to how many of us as Christians are with the gospel. So Lauren, no matter where she's at, she's a Jaguars fan. She's excited about Jacksonville Jaguars football. I think Christians is easy to like wear the gear, be excited about it when we're in church. But as soon as we go out into the world, when I say the world, I just mean not being at Southcrest. <laughs> How many of us are prone to kind of hide and shy away from, from sharing our faith? So most of us probably, if I took a poll, most of us would not say, we would not raise our hand and say, yes, I'm ashamed of the gospel. Most of us would not say that. Even if you were out in public, you wouldn't say, I'm ashamed of the gospel. But too often, 
our actions reflect, or our lack of action, our lack of proclamation, it reflects what? That we are ashamed of the gospel. Charles Spurgeon said, I'm very much paraphrasing, but if he, he said, if, if you say that you love Christ, but you never, his name is never on your lips, you never proclaim him, then you're a liar. Which I'm like, ouch. <laughs> if you say you love Jesus, but you never talk about him, you never share the gospel, then, then like, what, what's going on there? Do you, do you really love him? Are, are you ashamed of the gospel? What's going on? It's cool, we think about the order of scripture. We believe that God inspired not just the words of scripture, but even the order that our Bible was in. And so Romans follows after the book of Acts, as we saw from Acts 1-8 last week. Acts is about us being empowered, believers being empowered by the Holy Spirit and going and sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Going, being a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans is... Perhaps the best, like one book punch of what the gospel is. If you read through Romans, man, it's an incredible proclamation, detail, teaching of what the gospel is. And in chapter one, before Paul really gets in the thick of unpacking the gospel and what it is, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What we're gonna do this morning is look at what was Paul's reason for being unashamed of the gospel. And if it was good enough for him, it probably should be good enough for us, right? If whatever Paul reason, whatever reason he gives for saying, hey, you know what, I'm not ashamed to proclaim the gospel, that, that should move us to not be ashamed as well. So if you would, join with me. I know the screen says verse 16 through 17, that's gonna be our focus, but just for a little context, I wanna jump up to verse 13 of chapter one. Now, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I often planned to come to you, but was prevented until now, in order that I might have a fruitful ministry among you, just as I have had among the rest of the Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish, so I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I was gonna tell us why. Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. You know what, I sometimes try to re- like reword, rethink, like how can I say the, what the text is saying in like a, a modern way? I didn't know how to improve upon it. So we got a one point sermon. I'm just gonna say what the text says. Believers, we'll put it on the screen. Believers should be unashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. If we can get that point on the screen for help these folks writing it down, or you can just look at your verse because it's right there. Believers should be unashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. That's why we should be ashamed, unashamed, not ashamed. We should be unashamed because it is the power of God for salvation. It says it is the power. Not that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, not that the message just has some power. No, it is the power of God for salvation. Notice, doesn't say it is a power. It is some power. It is the power of God for salvation. The only way people are gonna 
come into a relationship with Christ. Only people who are gonna go from death to life and be able to spend eternity in heaven with Christ is through hearing the message of the gospel, amen? The good news of Jesus. It's not like Jesus is in heaven and he's like, well, we do have plan B. You know, there's always that other option we could do. No, this is it. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, that is the way that God saves people. I love that it says it's the power. So it's this idea that God has infused the message of the gospel with his power. So when you speak the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, you're unleashing a powerful weapon, a weapon that does what? A, a mechanism that does what? It brings salvation. It's, it's the way, it's the means by which God brings people from death to life. It's the means by which people takes us from a stone cold heart and gives us a heart of flesh to be able to have a relationship with God. It's the way that he makes us a new creation through the power of the gospel. It transforms people to bring us from death to life and to be saved. So it is the power of God for salvation, catch this, to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is for every single person from any walk of life. He says, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. So those who would be considered from a worldly perspective, like seems like they're close to God, they know a lot about God. And then those who are distant from God and know nothing about God, which we would you know scripture teaches that all are far from God. None seek after him, none do what is right. No matter where they are on the spectrum of where you say, they look like a pretty good person. They look like a terrible person. No matter where they are, the message is the power of God for salvation. Can you imagine, like if you were hanging out with Paul one day and you're like, man, I just, I've been praying for this person and there's just, there's just no hope for them ever coming to Christ. Like they're just, they're so lost, man. They, they hate Christians. Like I think if they could and get away with it, I think they would kill Christians. They, they think Jesus is, is like, they hate the name of Jesus. They want nothing to do with the name of Jesus. There's no hope for God ever same, saving this person. You can see Paul sarcastically going, yeah, you're right. There's just like no examples ever of God saving someone like that. <laughs> Paul would be like, he saved me. He can save anybody. <laughs> You know, every single person in this room should have that attitude. If God can save me, he can save anybody. <laughs> the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is the power of God for salvation to everyone, to anyone who believes. And then here's what's cool. Let's continue to unpack this. Verse 17, he unpacks what makes it so powerful, what makes it so amazing. For in it, so in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So it has this power because, because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. 
Martin Luther, the great reformer, he often was in terrible despair and devastation because he, he just felt like he, he could never climb up to the righteousness of God. He could never attain it. He could never be good enough. So even though he followed all these rituals and religious laws, he felt, he felt like he just couldn't be good enough for God. And then he read Romans 1, 16 through 17, and it wrecked that ideology completely. That teaches the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So Martin Luther, when he read this, the Holy Spirit helped him see that it's not that we can climb up and get to God, but rather that God reached all the way down to foul, stinky humanity and picked us up and saved us if we will simply put our faith in him. Martin Luther, he says about this passage that when he, when he read it and his eyes were open to the fact that God saved him, not that he could climb up to God, but rather God had come down to him to give him his righteousness, the righteousness of God. It said for the first time, it was like his eyes were open and he had entered paradise. See, that's what it's like when you go from trying to earn your salvation and realize that Christ came and died for you to place his righteousness on you. It's like entering into paradise. <laughs> and that idea is what Paul unpacks through Romans. This whole idea of the righteousness of God revealed from faith for faith, that's what he unpacks in the next few chapters, just to get a little taste of it. In chapter one, verse 25, look there with me. He says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. So he says the backdrop of the gospel, the, the black cloth that the diamond of the gospel sets on is that all of, us has all of us have chosen to worship the things of this world rather than God. And then in chapter two, verse one, he says, therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself since you, the judge, do the same things. It's kind of like, I just remember, I randomly thought of this right now, uh, I remember, maybe it's because our kids are starting to do this, but I remember being little and uh, getting done with family devotional prayer time and telling my parents that my sister was praying with her eyes open, which by the way, it's not wrong to pray with your eyes open, but I was telling my parents how messed up it was that she was praying with her eyes open. And my mom and dad were like, how did you know that? <laughs> Irrelevant question, mom and dad. <laughs> I'm sure that's not what I said, but yeah. He said, you judge others, but you do the same things. <laughs> We're all guilty of that. Verse 12 of chapter two, he says, for all who sin without the law will also perish without the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. So whether you try to, to live this religious life and try to please God through being perfect or whether you just run away from God, all of us are hopeless, hopelessly set apart from, cut off from God on our own. We have no hope apart from him. Then in verse 21 of chapter two, he's talking to the Jews and he says, you then who teach another, don't you teach yourself? It's that same idea of we can try to think we're all religious and we're, we're, we're good people, so God must love us. But the reality is even quote good people, there are none good, but those who think they're good, even we who think we're good and are religious, we also still struggle with sin. Chapter three, verse nine, he says, of both Jews and Greeks, we're all under sin. In verse 10, he quotes the Old Testament and he says, there is no one righteous, not even one. 
There is one who understands. There is, excuse me, there is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. Verse 20 of chapter three says, for no one will be justified in his sight by the works of the law because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. So just for clarity's sake, he keeps repeating over and over, no one can be good enough for God on their own. The most spiritual, the most religious, the most moral person you know, on their own, they will never have a relationship with God. They, will, they would like, this is not exactly how it works, but they would get to the gates of heaven and they would not be allowed to enter because no one is good enough on their own. Paul can, can, continues to unpack this. It's this idea, I've shared this before, but I always think about me and I don't, I don't think she's here right now, but uh, our neighbor, Maddie Grace, a bunch of us were up in, um, our families had gone to Paladero to go hiking. We, were, we were, did what you're not supposed to do. We went and got off the trail and tried to hike up uh, one of the little like, it's not a mountain, but you've been to Paladero, you know what I mean? We tried to climb up and every little like step, we tried to go up this wall of dirt. Just, the dirt just crumbled beneath us and we couldn't go. There you are, Maddie, how's it going? <laughs> we we uh, help you, you're good with this. Um, we couldn't get, you remember that? We couldn't climb up, right? Like in my mind, we had climbed like 20 feet and then we got down and saw where we climbed and we had made it maybe five feet off the ground because every little wall of dirt we tried to grab just fell off. And Paul is showing us in Romans that that's what your righteousness is like. You trying to get to God and be perfect, every little step you take, it just, it just crumbles beneath you. We, we can't get to God's righteousness to attain it. So, thank God we have the gospel. Chapter three, verse 21 says, but now, apart from the law, Here's this phrase we saw in chapter one, verse 17. The righteousness of God has been revealed. So he's saying people can try, try, try to earn righteousness from God. Doesn't get them anywhere. People can run from God and they still don't get any closer to God. But a different way has been revealed. Attested by the law and the prophets. So it's saying the Old Testament pointed to this the whole time. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God presented him as the mercy seat by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and justify the one who has faith in Jesus. So he's saying, we could never the we can never earn our salvation. We can never pay the price for our sin, but Jesus paid the price for us, amen? So that's, he's, again, it go, all goes back to chapter one, verses 16 through 17, which is kind of the thesis of Romans. And he's saying, Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. And what makes it so powerful? God actually made a way for us to be saved and it's through faith in Jesus Christ. I love what Martin Luther says. He says, what is faith? Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, his grace, so sure and certain that the believer would stake his life on it a thousand times. So we over and over again, every day, not that we over and over again get saved, but every day we walk in grace, we continue to have faith in Jesus by saying, you know what, it's not about me. I'm gonna trust the finished work of Christ on my behalf. 
Paul's saying that grace, that righteousness that God has placed on me through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, because he took on my sin so I could put on his righteousness, and now God looks at me as though I lived the life of Christ, which is amazing. Isn't that that really cool? God doesn't just forgive your sins and like kind of put up with you like, oh, Brandon, 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 Brandon. (laughs) No, he looks at you and sees the righteousness of Jesus. It's as though he takes all the awards and acclaim and the goodness of Jesus and places it on you when you place your faith in Christ. So he's not just putting up with you. If you've placed your faith in Christ, God delights in you. That's good news. He delights in you. Paul says, we've experienced this transformation and we know this this gospel has the power to transform other people's lives, to bring them from death to life. So we are not ashamed of the gospel. It's powerful. It's life-changing. It's how God saves people, anybody and everybody. It's how God saves people through the goodness, the good news of Jesus Christ. Believers should be unashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. When I was, uh, after my junior year of high school, my senior year of high school, I, I went and did some summer missions at this place called Words to Works. Uh, it was in Jacksonville, um, North Main Street Baptist Church. And it, it was awesome, got to do, students, you should really consider doing summer missions. It'll, it'll change your life. Um, but I remember we got to do all different kinds of things that summer. So most of the time I was responsible, or we had like 40 uh, high school and college students that were helping that summer. But most of the time I was responsible for taking groups that would come in church groups. And we would go into some pretty rough areas of Jacksonville and we would do like a backyard Bible school, which is like vacation Bible school, but um, a little more like thugged out. I don't know, can I say that? <laughs> Anyways, it was awesome. Um, and that was, that was more in my wheelhouse, getting to host people, getting to, to, to bring some excitement to some groups as they came in and help them go share the gospel and go uh, play sports with kids and like playing basketball with, with third graders is about my level because I can dominate, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, um, that was the worst part about going from middle school pastor to the college pastor. It was, I could no longer beat people at sports, <laughs> but um, sad day, anyways. Um, Man, I love I doing that stuff and getting to go share the gospel with, with those kids. But we would rotate what we would do. So some weeks you had kitchen duty, some weeks you had lawn duty there at the, at the main uh, property, the main church where we were all staying at. And again, you'd have groups of two, 300, sometimes even 400 people come and serve out of that main location uh, at any given week. Well, I remember the week that I had lawn duty. Um, and I had grown up taking, helping take care of our church lawn and stuff, so I didn't mind doing that. But I remember when it was t- time for lawn duty for me, I was kind of frustrated because I felt like I had gifts that belonged to other places than, than pushing the lawnmower, which is very cocky, I know, very prideful. But I remember uh, my first day, that Monday, I get out with, by the way, I said that, there's a reason, I wasn't trying to be a jerk and say that. I'll come back to that later about me thinking I didn't belong pushing the lawnmower. But I remember the first, that, that Monday, I get out, uh, to mow the lawn. And in, in Jacksonville, we have St. Augustine grass, which is just thick. Like uh, Bermuda is not always, when we have fescue and Bermuda here in, in Lubbock, but uh, St. Augustine is, is tall and it's thick and it can be a pain to mow because of how thick it is, especially when it's kind of wet. Well, I remember 
trying to mow the lawn. And the, the space I was supposed to mow that Monday morning was not incredibly big, but it was taking me forever. I had a push mower and it was taking me forever. And so I went inside uh, probably about 10.30 that morning, take a break, drink some, uh, we had lemonade and Kool-Aid on tap. It was a great summer, <laughs> but I go get some lemonade and Kool-Aid. I remember they were resting. I remember uh, one of the older people, like an older college student that was kind of over a lot of our, our high school students that summer came in and walked in and he's like, dude, Brandon, are you okay? I remember I'm sitting in a chair and, uh, and like just pouring sweat. And he's like, dude, what's wrong? I was like, I'm on lawn duty this week. And he's like, should you look that exhausted? Like, I don't, I don't know, I man, you look really rough and super red in the face. And I was like, man, it's a stinking push mower. They got me out here mowing, this is terrible. And he was like, drink some Kool-Aid <laughs> and, and you're gonna be okay, man. And I remember sitting there thinking, I do not want to go back out there. Like, it's just, it's just mowing the lawn. It's not that big a deal, but thing. I don't want to go out there in the 100 degree Jacksonville, Florida, summer weather where the humidity is like 200%. Um, I don't want to go back out there. And, and that thought came back to me of like, I, I have other gifts that I can do. Why am I pushing the stupid lawnmower? Some of you felt that yesterday probably. But I, I finally go back outside and decide it's time to mow again. And as I'm pushing this lawnmower, and it's, I'm like it's taking everything I have to push this lawnmower. One of the pastors that was there that summer was up on the second story and I see him just shaking his head. And he looks down at me, he's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm mowing the lawn, man. He's like, no, what are, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm mowing the lawn. He said, Brandon, you see that, that bar that's in up top a little bit? Just do me a favor, just, just pull that bar. So, fine, whatever. <laughs> you, know what, you know what it was, right? It was a self-propelled push mower that I was trying to do. <laughs> if, if you've ever pushed one like that, that self-propelled, and you don't have the power engaged, it's terrible. Can we just, would anyone raise your hand if you've done the same thing? Yes, all right. Mostly... Teenagers, but that's okay. <laughs> Man, you know what's funny? Is once I engage, Jack Louder, I hear you laughing, by the way. <laughs> once I engage the power on that thing, I still had to like, be engaged, but all of a sudden I knew why they were so concerned about me, how like red and sweaty I was. Because once I engaged the power, it was just like a nice stroll, right? I still had to be out there. I still had to engage in it, but it totally changed it. And so when Tuesday for Lawn Day came, I was like, I ain't scared. I got the power, right? Like, <laughs> let's do this. And that's a ridiculous story. We shouldn't compare the gospel to, to mowing the lawn. But I think a lot of us, we, we, we think about sharing the gospel and we've, we've been totally oblivious to the power of the gospel. That it's loaded, <laughs> it's leaded. And we're like, oh man, Sharing the gospel, I didn't want to do that. It's just so, you know, I, I've got better, I, I'm better at other things than telling people about Jesus. So like, I'm, I'm just not gonna, I don't think I want to get back out there. And what Paul is telling us is, hey, it, if you'll just pull the lever, if you'll just engage, there's power in the gospel. And yes, you still have to be actively involved. Like we don't just get to sit back and magically the gospel gets shared. But it's crazy when you go to share the gospel with the understanding that there is power in this, suddenly sharing the gospel becomes a lot more exciting. 
and a lot more doable when you realize that there is power in the gospel to change people's lives. When you just share it, it can transform people's lives. Amen? It is the word of God infused with the power of God. We don't have to sit back and think, well, I'm just, that's just not my thing. I'm just not good at that. <laughs> no, any believer empowered by the Holy Spirit, when they're willing to just share the gospel, you unleash the power of the gospel. And yes, you have to be engaged with it and, and you can't just sit back on the sidelines. You have to actually go and share the gospel. But when you do, it transforms people's lives. It's interesting, I, I circled, if you go back to verse 15, I circled the word preach and drew a little arrow down to not ashamed. When you're not ashamed of the gospel, it should lead you to preach the gospel. And hey, look, look right here for a second, look right here. What I'm doing, yes, we call this preaching, but in the New Testament, they would not, when they heard the word preach, they didn't automatically think of this. Listen, preaching the gospel is not about a platform such as this. Preaching the gospel is about people and just sharing the goodness of Jesus, the good news of Jesus with people. Like the way my friends at Kingdom at Work say it, that your, your profession is your platform for the gospel. That quit thinking of a, this is just a stage made of wood and carpet. There's nothing special about this. Wood and carpet, not wood and carpet. It's just a, a yeah, it's just material. I could walk down there, on, stand on the ground and preach just the same. Paul, when he preached the gospel, I'm pretty sure he didn't have a fancy platform with lights on him like this. No, he would like in Philippi, he would go down to the river and share the gospel with people. Or when he was in prison in Philippi, chained up, he was singing about Jesus and praying, him and Silas. And then when the earthquake happened, he, he told the prisoner how he could have a relationship with Jesus. That was preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel is not about a platform, it's about people and just sharing who Jesus is. To be unashamed is to tell people about Jesus, to preach, to proclaim. And if you're, you're sitting there like, man, Brandon, I hear you. I, I hear that the gospel has power, but I just, I just can't, I just can't do it. I just can't tell other people about Jesus. Well, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, as we saw from a lot of the Bible this year, but especially last week in Acts, then you are indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit takes away your I can't. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will and does and has empowered you to share the gospel. You say, man, I, I, just, I, I just don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know what that looks like. I mean, that's as simple as you're at a restaurant, you're going to the drive-thru, whatever, and just saying, hey, Man, my name is Brandon, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and his life, death and resurrection has totally changed my life. I love telling people about Jesus and I believe that he's the hope of the world. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Like, that was a lot of words. Okay, then just say, hey, my name is Brandon, I love Jesus because he loves me. Is there anything I can pray for you about? See what opened. They may say, uh, no, or they may say, oh my gosh, yes. Sharing the gospel, just... Tell people your story of how he has changed your life and what's the difference in how you were and how you are now? Jesus, <laughs> he's the difference. If you want maybe a more thorough tool, uh, you could look up, uh, you could just Google three circles evangelism. 
three circles evangelism. It's gonna give you some depth on how to do it. But my point is, y'all, there's, there's so many resources. We just need to take advantage of them. And really, you don't need a bunch of resources. You just need the Holy Spirit in and through you to work, amen? <laughs> and to share the gospel. We should be unashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. <clears throat> you know, often, pull us a little more center for a second. I think here's what's cool about what we're seeing the past couple of weeks. Often when we think about sharing the gospel and telling people about Jesus, we see it as um, like, there's somebody in the chair. I'm gonna move this so you're not confused. Somebody in the chair over there. This could represent a lot of different things. You're smart, you'll stay with me. So there's somebody in this chair and we see this empty chair and we, we feel this prompting of like, oh man, God wants me to go and share the gospel with him. And I'm leaving the comfort, the comfort, the comfort of my friends and my Christians. He wants me to go engage in this dark lost world all by myself. And man, I don't know if I can do that. It's gonna be really scary. And, and we envision it just, us and this other person, whoever they may be, whether they're on campus or at work or family member, and we're like, oh man, I gotta go engage with them all by myself. And what I want you to see is that because of the Holy Spirit indwelling you as a believer, because of the power that is in the gospel message, that the gospel message is, doesn't just have power, it is power. And because of the fact that we've seen all through scripture, for even from Genesis, that the Holy Spirit is already working in people's lives and drawing them to himself. What we actually see is that it's not just two chairs, but actually the Holy Spirit's already sitting at that table, so to speak, with people. And he's saying, hey, Brandon, hey, C come, come join us. I wanna invite you over, Brandon. I'm already working in this person's life. And Brandon, you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit and you've got the power of the gospel. So come and just join in the conversation and watch me work. He's not just sending you out into the darkness alone. What will happen? No, he's saying, hey, come join me in this amazing adventure of sharing the gospel and see what happens when the power of the gospel is unleashed. And I work in and through you and I'm already drawing this person to myself. I wanna close with this quote from Theodore Williams. He was a missionary in India. We're gonna put it on the screen as well. He says, we face a humanity that is too precious to neglect. We know a remedy for the ills of the world too wonderful to withhold. We have a Christ who is too generous to hide. We have an adventure that is too thrilling to miss, amen. It's time for us to quit sitting on the sidelines and to become a church that loves the lost, that is unashamed of the gospel. May we say with the apostle Paul that we are unashamed of the gospel and preach the good news of Jesus Christ to the people of Lubbock, Texas and around the world, amen? We believe that God's word demands a response. Not that South Crest, not that Brandon, not very intimidating. <laughs> But that God's word, the Holy Spirit demands that we respond because he's our ultimate authority. He's the absolute authority, absolute truth. So this morning as believers, I want you to consider, I'm not gonna ask our worship team to come up as we kind of draw near to the end here, but as believers, I want you to consider, maybe do you need to come 
down to the front and pray. Again, we've been saying often that decisions don't happen at altars, they happen in hearts, but sometimes moving can kind of solidify what God's doing, what he's doing in your heart. And so maybe you need to come to the altar and pray one of these things. Again, it could be right where you're at, I don't know, but maybe you need to pray one of these things. God, would you create an all, A-W-E, in my heart for you, for the gospel, what you've done? Because here's the reality. The, I found that the more I'm in awe of the gospel, the less likely, likely I am to be ashamed. <laughs> awe of God drives out being ashamed, right? Like, I'll just pick on her again. Like my, my wife, like, I'm in awe of who she is and her beauty and how amazing she is. And so I'm not ashamed, right? Like, I often on Sundays talk about her up here because I'm not ashamed of her. The more in awe you are, the less likely you are you're gonna live in being ashamed of the gospel. So maybe you need to come this morning and just pray down at the front. We're gonna have some staff members after I pray, they'll be down here at the front. Maybe you need to grab them by the hand and say, would you pray that God would instill in me an awe for the gospel? Maybe you need to come this morning and just pray for boldness. God, would you help me to not be ashamed? Maybe you are in awe of the gospel, but you've, you've kind of been squelched in, in, in sharing the gospel. You've been, living on, you've been living ashamed and you need to come and pray or ask someone to pray with you. Lord, would you create a boldness in my heart for sharing the gospel, Lord? Help me to proclaim, to live a life that is unashamed of the gospel. Maybe you need to come this morning or right where you're at and just pray for a particular person. Pray that God would draw them to himself. Maybe you've already been sharing the gospel with them. Maybe you've been praying for them that God would save them. And this is another morning to say, God, would you save whoever's on your heart and mind? <laughs> maybe you don't know who to share the gospel with. And maybe in this moment you need to pray, God, would you show me who I need to share the gospel with? Open my eyes in those day-to-day -day opportunities to who I can share the gospel with. In a moment after I pray, the, the, the altar will be open. There'll be people here to pray with you about those things. But you know, there could be one more person in here in this room, in, in this room today, who you need the power of the gospel this morning. Maybe this morning, God is awakening your heart to the fact that you've been thinking you're in right relationship with God because you're a pretty good person, but then you've seen in Romans that none of us are good and our only hope is Jesus and you're ready this morning to turn from death to life by turning to Jesus, placing your faith and trust in him. Man, if, the, if the enemy is whispering in your ear like, man, you're just too far gone, you're just too broken. No, it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Last time I checked, everyone means everyone. <laughs> so this morning, maybe you need to have boldness to respond to what Christ is doing in your life and drawing you to himself for salvation. And again, there'll be some folks down front that would love to talk to you about that or pray with you about that or just celebrate with you. I'm gonna pray for us. And I'm gonna ask that we would boldly respond to what God has led us to this morning. And the altar will be open. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for the example of Paul and him not being ashamed and even telling us why he's not ashamed. Lord, would you, would you open our eyes to the power of the gospel? Lord, help us to even think back to how you have transformed our lives through the gospel. Help us to think about how we've, we've shared the gospel. We've seen people's lives change. And Lord, may that stir us to be unashamed, to wanna share more often. God, as we sing this song, would you, Help us to think about what it, and just to remember as believers, what it was like to come to you in faith for salvation. And Lord, that we would wanna extend that invitation to others. 
God, would you create a boldness in our hearts? Would you create an awe in our hearts? Would you put people on our hearts? Lord, would you draw people to yourself for salvation this morning? It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing and let's respond. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 